morning. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus speaks to uh, the disciples, a man by the name of Simon, and he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. His entire life, he'd been called Simon. His parents named him that. He was a fisherman. No one knew him by any other name as far as record that his name was Simon. But in this moment, Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, which in translated, it means rock. I tell you that you are rock and upon this rock, I will build my church. In other words, you are a rock and upon this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. Here's what's beautiful. Jesus is a master builder. He is building his church. And when he encounters us, or shall I say we encounter him, he actually changes you so much that you have a new name. And he builds you, not only does he build you, but he then builds you into his building called the church. I look at this room and I thank God because all of us have a story. Uh, we were defined by our parents or the events of our life, but at some point we have an encounter with Jesus and he changes us and he begins to build us into something we're not and then he builds us into his church. That's encouraging to me. I'm not who I used to be. And he's still building his church. And so the church has never been a physical structure. It's always been the people. However, he says, don't forsake the assembly of the church coming together. And so there's always a physical space in which we need to meet. So we've been meeting here at this place since March, and we are waiting this week to receive a contract to relocate. If, if you were here at the family moment, you already know this is not news back to Regal Cinema and Gallery Place. Yeah, you can respond to that really good. And the earliest date would be January of this year. Uh, and so we are waiting again for a contract this week and we would move back and have three auditoriums. In addition to that, we are also pursuing property in DC, Northeast Washington. There is a, a church, a physical building uh, property, not the church as in people, but the place. It, it is a actual sanctuary, not a theater. It was a theater. And um, so we are looking to place a contract on that. So um, it would not be something that is ready uh, by January. We don't know exactly when it could be ready. Uh, and we're still in the process of talking with lenders and financing to make sure we qualify and we can get it. Uh, if Lord willing, grace abounding and everything works out, we will have that place sometime in 2019 as well. And rather than leave from the theater to go to that place, we would have two places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I paused. I thought you'd be excited about that. And, and we believe that would be two of multiple locations that God has for us throughout the city. And the reason why I say that is because the same young man, Simon, who became Peter, he later writes a letter and he says, in coming to him as living stones, you also being built into God's house. And there are many stones in the Washington, D.C. area. And more stones than can meet in any one facility. So we believe God's called us to have multiple facilities for all those stones of which we are a part. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Rich. I have the privilege of speaking and uh, ministering to you all this morning from God's word. I believe God has given me a word for our church. And so I hope that you all would receive it. And can also be one of the first to say Merry Christmas. The most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are already in this place. I could see you by looking upon these faces that you are present. I could feel you. 
By faith, God, I know and believe that you are here. God, please do not let me get in the way of what you want to say to all of us in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today I want to talk to you all about the, the fun topic of lordship. It's fun, isn't it? My hope is that by the time you leave today, lordship, any negative connotations you have, you'll leave with like, man, that's a really good thing. And I, I got to have me some more of that. So uh, lordship. And the hope is that we'll all take one step closer into growing and becoming fully submitted to Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, oh, by the way, so the name of this message is going to be called Uber Jesus. Uber Jesus. So if you've never ordered an Uber or you don't know what an Uber is, just Google it. And if you don't know what Google is, there's nothing we can do for you <laughs> in this moment. But just nod your head and smile, okay? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. See, what is scripture is saying here is that you receive Jesus as Lord, but in the same way you receive him as Lord in that one time, in that one moment, on that one day, many years or many days or even later on today. But his encouragement is to continue to walk in him. Why? Because surrendering to Jesus as Lord is not just a one-time experience. It is a walk. It is a lifetime of, of learning to continually submit yourself to Jesus. See, what you may have had to submit to Jesus as Lord last year may be a lot easier than what you have to submit to Jesus in this year coming up. And guess what? If what's going to happen next year happened to you last year, you might not have submitted. But because you're growing in your submission to Jesus, it's like a muscle that you develop and you grow because God is preparing you for times in your life where it's going to look impossible to yield your will and your desire to him. So my hope today is that we can see how we can do that more. Lord means master, the one who calls the shots, the one who is in complete control. Do you call Jesus Lord? He makes the decisions. You accept him as Lord with all that you know in the moment. I love how the Bible talks about you need to count the cost. But when you count the cost to make Jesus Lord of your life, you can only count what you can think of, of what you see or what you foresee. But I'm grateful that God is going to give us many opportunities to learn how to submit to his Lordship for things that we might not have been aware of when we first agreed. I want to give you guys a couple of uh, illustrations here. I want to call up two people up to the stage and bring, ask you to bring your chairs with you. Corey, can you come up here, please? Uh, Sam, I know I didn't tell you this yet, but come up here, Sam. Bring your chair with you. See, I believe that God wants us to walk with him. And God calls us to be on mission. But I also believe that God calls us to be under submission. And so there's a different spectrum. There's a spectrum, um, Sam, have a seat here. There's a spectrum of lordship that I want to use these chairs as an illustration for. This is a car. Sam is driving the car right now. You got you to put it in drive first. Okay, great. So we still learn how to drive, right? So, so Sam is driving the car. And the illustration of car, the word car can be interchanged with the word life. So Sam is driving his life. He is in control. He is the master of his destiny. Whatever he thinks he could achieve, whatever he believes he can do on his own, if he puts in all the hard work, he can do anything that his mind puts itself to. Those are the things that the world tells you 
that you realize time and time again that they're not quite completely true in the context of self. But he'll get that as he hits that mile marker while he's driving on the highway of life. Corey, for illustration purposes only, is God. It's Jesus, okay? It's Jesus. There's a bright white light coming off of Jesus. See, it's a halo. It's a halo right here. So on the spectrum of lordship, when we're born or when you're growing up, and I know some people give their lives to Jesus when, you know, when they're five years old or 15. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I gave my life to Jesus my freshman year, after my freshman year in college. But for most of us, we all tend to try to drive our lives. We have goals. We, we try to decide what we're going to do. What do I want to be when I grow up? You ever see a kindergarten say, I, I don't know, teacher. Jesus, what do you want me to be when I grow up? And that's okay because you're five years old. I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And you speak things over yourself, and the rest of your life is trying to accomplish those things, whether you're aware of it or not. And we'll talk about motivations in a moment. But as you're driving your car on the spectrum of lordship, one part of lordship is this, is Jesus is not in the car. Heck, he's not even in the picture at all. And so when you watch this video online later, you'll see that Jesus is not in the picture. And you're just driving away. If you get tired, you can put in cruise control. But at some point in our lives, God will give you the gift of revelation. And that gift of revelation may come through you reading your Bible. It may come through worship, singing songs that God just revealed himself to me. Or I now believe it could come from a friend. It could come from a family member. It could come from a spouse. It could come from a dream. It could come from a movie. It can come from all kinds of places. But God will give you the opportunity to, to, to understand and see the revelation of who he really is. And as you're driving your life, as you're driving your car, you now begin to be like, I, I, I believe that Jesus is real. And if he is who he says he is and the Bible is real, then he's pretty big. He's king. He's Lord. So I know enough that I have to invite Jesus into my car. I have to invite Jesus into my car. Come on in, Jesus. That's all right. So what I love this is that on the scale, on the spectrum of lordship, first he's not in the car, but then secondly, he's in the car with you. He may not be driving the car yet. We'll get there. But there's that moment where you're kind of like getting to know God. You're getting to know Jesus. You're developing trust in him so that when he says trust in me, you can say, yeah, you're, you're worthy and you've earned it. And I know that I'm not just following blindly. I could see, I could read, I see examples. There's testimony to your worthiness of lordship. And I receive that in my life. And so like most of us, he's in the car with us, but we're still in control. And we still drive. It's a, it looks like lordship, but it's not quite there yet. But it's on the way. Say on the way. It's on the way. And it's hard to give Jesus full control, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. Let's be honest. We'll be real. Your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your will, your feelings, all those things are yours. I want that career. I want that degree. I want to marry that person. I want to live in that house. I want to drive that car. Whatever you think of, those are your desires that you want. And it's scary to say, God, I, I'm going to give you full control of all those things because you don't know if he's going to give them back to you. And the beauty is this, is that you want to give someone all those things who you trust because you know he'll give you back the things that you really need and they're going to make you most fulfilled. But we're afraid that we're not going to get back what we want. 
And so instead of fully submitting, you know, during worship, sometimes we lift our hands. And it's a sign of submission, surrender. For some of us, the way we, and I'm not talking about you have to lift both your hands to fully surrender. But in your heart, your posture towards Jesus when you worship, some of us look like this. By the way, there's nothing wrong with doing this physically. You guys there with me? We're not making new rules. But in your heart, you're kind of worshiping like this. Or maybe you're doing one of these. Lord, I worship you. I thank you, God. Lord, take all except this one thing. Or these ten things. I don't want to submit my desire to be with that person and marry them to the, to the Lordship of Jesus because he might tell me no. And I don't want to hear no because I'm used to driving. I'm used to being right here. But as you continue on this lane, on this highway of Lordship, you begin to realize that I want to be in control, but it's not easy. It's not easy. And at some point you realize I'm getting sleepy, I'm getting tired, or you just begin to develop trust in God and say, you know what? I now know that he needs to be in the driver's seat. And that's the next the phase of Lordship was where you surrender, where you get up and then you ask Jesus to, to get into the driver's seat. And you don't always look happy when you do it. But you do it. It's okay to smile, fellas. Lordship is good. Say, Lordship is good. Now, Sam, can you pull this seat back here for a second? There we go. So here's the thing. So on, this, on the spectrum of Lordship, first he's outside the car. He's not in the picture. Then you invite him into the car. You're doing well. You're getting there. Then you switch seats and say, Jesus, you drive the car. And we think that that's it. But I want to break that down for a moment is the reason why he bit, put, put, uh, got to the second row here. There's a front row of the car, and then there's the back row. And this is where I talk about the Uber Jesus. See, Uber, they have Uber, Uber XL, Uber Pool, Uber Pool Express, Uber Black, all kinds of other Ubers, right? They'll add more. But if we're not careful when it comes to the spectrum of Lordship, we'll, we'll download that app and call for an Uber Jesus. See, the Uber Jesus is this, is it is the appearance that he's in control. And you're good with him driving the car. You're good with him driving your life as long as you're the one that's typing in the destination. I love Jesus driving my life. As long as I can marry that, I want to marry this person. Done. I'm going here. Jesus, can you take me there? Is it even a question? You're just kind of, I'm good with it as long as you take me there. And that's a false, that, that is a falseness right there. That is not real lordship. Because you let him drive the car, but you're, you're, you, you're still kind of in control. You're not really in control. You just think you are. And a lot of times you give your life to Jesus. You make him Lord. You serve in the church. You join the life changers. You might be on the worship team. Heck, you might even preach. But all those things, all those things, you still need to submit to Jesus as Lord in every single step. When you have an Uber Jesus, you get upset when his GPS doesn't line up with your GPS. And by the last, you guys know where I'm going with this. You're in the back, you're in your Uber. You know where you're going. You know the streets better than that person. You know how to get home. You know the one-way streets. You know all that stuff. You know where traffic patterns are. And you got your flavor of choice when it comes to GPS. Because 
the GPS you use works better than every other GPS, right? And you know you're in the back seat. It's like, okay, the Uber says I'll be home in five minutes. Okay, it's going down, taking a right turn in two blocks. And you kind of peek over and you see that, oh, no. My Uber driver is using a different kind of GPS, the bad one. And when you come to that two blocks, he keeps driving. You're like, dang it, now he's going to take me, it's going to take me longer to get to where I want to go. And you get frustrated with your Uber Jesus because he's not going the way that you want him to go. Your Uber Jesus may want to talk to you. And you may not want to talk at all. And Jesus is saying, how are you doing today? And you're saying, good. How's the weather? Yeah, it's cold. You might even be so as bold to say, um, excuse me, is, is it all right if I just sit, sit back here quietly? Is that, is that okay with you? You might even be on your phone reading your Bible. And Jesus is trying to talk to you. But when he's an Uber Jesus, you talk when you want to talk. An Uber Jesus frustrates you when he picks someone else up. When you know good and doggone well, you paid for an Uber pool. You saved your $2. You saved your $2 and you sit in the backseat real quiet like, oh, I hope they don't pick anybody up. I'm going to get over on the system. This is my own personal UberX for, for the price of an Uber pool. But when you have an Uber Jesus, you get upset and frustrated when he picks someone else up in the car that's a little bit off of your route, so it's inconveniencing you. And don't let them drop that person off before they drop you off. Jesus, I've been in this church longer than anybody else. Why are you letting them be blessed and letting them do stuff, but I've been here longer? And you mad. You mad at Jesus. Why? Because he's your Uber Jesus. And you tell him how you mad because you give him that one star. You got all the comments, Lord. I just, yeah, I just don't know. May we not be a church who calls on an Uber Jesus. Let's not make the Lord Jesus an Uber Jesus. Can we give these guys a hand clap as they kick their shoes? See, lordship is a really good thing. And I want to read a couple. It's a really long scripture I'm going to read to you all. So just sit back and close your eyes if you have to. Don't fall asleep. But in John 21, it says this. And this is the disciples. Uh, this is after Jesus had died and was resurrected. And the disciples were, they, Jesus would appear to them from time to time and teach them stuff and show them things. And here's the moment where the disciples are by themselves. In verse 3, it says this. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. How many of y'all don't realize Jesus when he's near? And sometimes we think, even in our failures, I've been up all night and I've caught nothing. Jesus is still there. He's there in your failures and your success. And it says here that, He called out to them and said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, verse 9, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. I love the fact that Jesus asked him to bring fish, but he already had fish burning on the coal. You know, when Jesus asks you for something, it's not because he needs it. It's because you need it. And you got to bring it to him. And we'll jump down to verse 15. When they had finished eating this beautiful fish for breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Talking about the fish. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. This is the key right here. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Lordship. Jesus is juxtaposing younger versus older. Age is just a number, right? And I don't believe Jesus is just talking about age in the sense of when you're younger, that's below this age, and when you're older, it's below this age. I, I believe at least the way I interpret this, the way I read this, is that Jesus is talking to the level of your maturity and how you submit to lordship. Because when you're young in your lordship, you kind of still go where you want to go and you dress yourself. But as you continue to grow and you move along that spectrum of lordship that we talked about, you get to the point where you're now older and more mature and experienced. And now you know that, man, I, I, I don't dress myself. I reach out my hands and I allow you to lead me where I don't want to go. When it says oh, younger, you go where you want. Older, you go where you don't want. Younger, you're led by feelings and fears. When you're led by feelings, uh, Peter was excited to see Jesus, so he just jumped right out the boat. He didn't think about all that was going on. He was moved by his feelings in that moment. How many of you are motivated by your feelings? You may have a holy, righteous goal, a holy, righteous idea of where God wants you to bring your life, but if your motivation starts with your feelings or your fear, you need to check those things. See, feelings allow us to to divert things that feel bad, like eating Brussels sprouts and going to the gym. Or your fears motivate and dictate what you do with your life. Many of college students have told me personally, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this major because I'm trying to like, show my parents that them paying for my college was worth it. And that's a good reason, but is that a God reason? You're seeking approval, or you're insecure, or you're afraid that you're not going to amount to anything. I, I don't want to be broke, so I got to get a job. I want that house. I, gotta, I want that thing. And so there's fear of what you're going to have or what you don't have. And we, we too many times we allow our feelings and our fears to be the motivating factor for our decisions and the choices that we make. 
And when you're younger, you're motivated by your feelings and your fears. But when you're older in your lordship, you're motivated by the Father and by faith. You're motivated by what the Father in heaven says. Even if it's somewhere where you don't want to go, you still obey that because your feelings and your fears are checked and put in its right place, and they even submit to the lordship of Jesus. You have that kind of lordship. And this line scares me. It says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. God is glorified in our death. And I know he was talking about the type of death that he would be martyred later on in life. But you know there's a kind of death that we die daily? And I believe that kind of death also glorifies God. It's not just dying. It's glorifying. We don't have a problem with glorifying Jesus sometimes. I think if you've been in the church long enough, it's, you're like, yeah, I want to glorify God. We sing songs about it. Glorify, I can't sing your name. I have yet to see a worship song that says, I want to die today. Can't wait to die, Lord. I'm looking forward to it. But here's a man who figured it out. Here's a man who, who had this revelation. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. I eagerly expect and hope. This is Paul talking. By the way, he wrote this while he was in jail. <laughs> that might put it in context for you. And hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So I love this. Paul understands that it's not about my fears, which he prayed for courage. And it's not about his feelings, which he clearly expressed. My desire is to do this. Both of those didn't play a factor in him deciding to obey the Father and have faith to stay. In fact, it was a win-win situation. So many times we think, is it, what, what's the right thing? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Am I going to win or am I going to lose? Paul got to the place in his lordship to Jesus that he recognized that if I submit to God, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So all my gym rats in here, you want gains? Them real gains. It's to die. And so he even, in fact, when you read this, it's this. His choice wasn't life or death. His choice was life or more life. Because if, if to live is Christ, that's life. That's a good thing. Really good thing. But he understood. And this is, this is not where our, our, our carnal minds, we need help with this. We need transformation deep in our heart, our mind, our soul to, to live this way. That even to die is gain. So I have life or more life. When you submit to Jesus, is it death in the way that it pains you and it hurts you and you don't, you don't experience the life that comes with that submission? 
I hope not. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anybody here struggle with that scripture? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't make it hard and heavy. See, we, we, we become pros at taking the yoke that Jesus put on us and we make it hard and we make it heavy. Primarily because we probably carry things that we're not supposed to carry. Because we're afraid that if we give it to God that he may not do with it what I would do with it. In fact, that's the very reason why you should give it to God. Because he'll do with it what you won't do with it. But I'm going to focus on the light part or the easy part. His yoke is easy when you go where he wants you to go. It's hard when you keep trying to go where you want to go. Sometimes you're just doing too much. You guys hear what I'm saying? So when Jesus puts this yoke on you, oh, let me give you a, a picture. When I was younger, when I was acting up at the mall or in the store and I'm with my dad, and I forget what age he stopped doing this. I don't even know if maybe I moved out for college. But when I wasn't listening or obeying, he would grab my earlobe. Any, any, any parents ever did that or to you guys? This is not a parenting conference, so don't, don't take this tip home with you. But he would grab my earlobe and it would hurt. But it didn't hurt because he was squeezing it hard. It didn't hurt because he was just yanking me around. It hurt because I wasn't going in the direction that he was going. In fact, he said to me, he said, if you just follow my hand, it won't hurt. And if my dad knew scripture, he'd say, my yoke is easy. But you're making it hard. How many times do we make the easy yoke of Jesus in our lives harder than what it needs to be? And we feel the pain. And God is saying, just walk with me. He's not grabbing our earlobes, but you hear what I'm saying? That's a yoke. And it's supposed to be easy when you submit to his lordship. But if you call him Lord and don't do what he says, you're asking for a hard time. You're asking for pain and hurt. And that yoke, he'll pull you back gently. That's what he said, right? I'm gentle. He'll pull you back. But don't fight. In uh, UFC or wrestling, I'm not a wrestler or a fighter. Or anything. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But you can, get, you can lose the match or the bout by getting knocked out or by submitting. You tap out on the mat. And when you tap out and you submit, that means the fight is over. See, we want to submit to Jesus, but we don't want to stop fighting. Some of us need to stop fighting so that we can truly submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You guys hear what I'm saying? And this is a good thing. You don't want to be Lord of your own life because you're not as powerful as you think you are. In fact, you know how unpowerful you really are because when you're by yourself, when you're alone, that's, that's when you know who you really are. I want to close with this. What stage of lordship are you in? Where is Jesus at in your life? 
I want to pray for some of you all right now. If, if you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus for the first time, I love what the Bible says that he's your Lord and Savior. The reason why he's your Savior is because you make him Lord. Too many of us have Jesus as a Savior, but he's not Lord of our lives. But in Romans 8 clearly says well, the order of things. I was thinking about in terms of surrendering. This past week I was just studying. I, I was randomly kind of went back to the story of Noah's Ark. You guys know about Noah's Ark? Right, the big old boat with all the animals and all that stuff. And as I was reading, I wrote it down in my notes. You ever write a word down so many times it starts to look weird to you? So I wrote it down a couple times and I was saying it. And then this word hit me and I realized the story about Noah's Ark isn't just about the boat. It's about Noah's Ark, A-R-C. And if you read any book or you watch any movie, these characters, they start as one-dimensional characters. And, and if, as you write something or as you tell a story, you should walk with that character through their story arc, A-R-C. And during the course of a movie or the course of a book, you begin to see how the person at the end of the book is not the same as the beginning. That they were developed, that circumstances, that things happened that formed and shaped who they were coming, the very essence of who they were. And Noah started as someone who didn't know God. But during his ark, during Noah's ark, he began to see and realize and experience what it's like to surrender everything to God. He had to build a solution for a problem that never existed. And while he was doing it, people were probably laughing at him, judging him, calling him names, saying you crazy, saying you this, saying you that. But regardless of his feelings and his fears, he followed with faith in the Father. And he built that ark. And as, if you guys go back and read it, it gets really detailed, doesn't it? How many cubits of this? What kind of wood? Where to cut it? Where to place it? Oh, it's magnificent. But you know what's one thing I didn't find in the blueprints? And I looked really hard for it. Noah's Ark, A-R-K, it didn't have a steering wheel. It didn't have a sail, which means it didn't have a rudder. So for Noah to build something that he would have no control over is a great picture of lordship. See, you're trying to build your life and you're making sure you got two steering wheels and a backup steering wheel. But the kind of life that God calls us to live won't just preserve your life, but it'll start life. See, God reset the world. He hit the refresh button with Noah, and it was all new, and so much life came from this one man preserving his, his life and his family without being in control. See, Noah was fully dependent and only dependent on God. That's what it looks like to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Are you fully dependent and only dependent? So if you want to do that, if you've never done that before, that's how salvation comes to you. So if that's you and you say, man, I, I, I've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord. I may have called him Savior. I grew up in the church. I serve. I, I do all this stuff. But I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. And you want to do that now, raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it down. And if I didn't see your hand, we're still going to pray for you. So I want you, but how about everybody repeat after me? So those who rose your hand and those who didn't. Jesus, thank you for the revelation of who you are. 
No one revealed it to me but you. And right now, I yield myself to you. I surrender to you as Lord of all that I am. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you are resurrected. And I receive the gift of salvation through Lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good moment to clap right now. <laughs> now, for those of you that raised your hand, this is a moment, and it's a significant one, but it's not the last time you're going to yield to his Lordship. So I want to encourage you to stop by the Connection Center on your way out, talk with somebody, meet someone, get connected, because it's so hard to live this thing by yourself. It's almost impossible. Amen? So for the other group, for those who followed Jesus before but need to repent from not trusting in God, who you say, hey, I need to cancel my Uber Jesus. <laughs> this is not right. I want to pray for you in this moment. When Pastor Donnell talked about Simon, who Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which meant rock, and he said, I'll build this church upon that rock, that revelation. Did you guys realize that when we were reading John earlier, when Peter's at the fire and they're eating fish, and Jesus says, although he already changed his name from Simon to Peter, he still says, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? And the disciple John, who's writing this out, he writes in, and Peter says, yes, Lord. And then Jesus says, Simon, son of John. See, Jesus referred to Peter three times as Simon, son of John. And I was thinking about that. There's a lot of reasons I believe for that, but one of the ones I want to highlight real quick is this. Is, although we're made new in Christ, sometimes we need to address the old you within you. Jesus was speaking to Peter. He was speaking to the Simon in Peter the Simon who didn't know Jesus, the Simon who dressed himself and went where he wanted to go. Most theologians believe that Simon's father was a fisherman. The Bible says his uncle was a fisherman, his cousin, his brother. It was a fisherman's business there. And when he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I believe he might have been speaking to, Simon, you had dreams to be the greatest fisherman ever. You were going to take over the family business. You were going to make some money. You were going to do something that you were really good at and you had confidence in that you could do. You may have had a 10-year plan. You may have had it all laid out. But will you surrender that for me? Do you love me more than these? What are the plans that you have for your life? that Jesus right now is saying, do you love me more than these plans? Do you love me more than this goal that you're trying to achieve? Do you love me more than what you're trying to make of yourself? And he's speaking to the old you within the new you. And that's okay. Because Jesus recognized Lordship isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. So he'll be patient and continue to speak to all the areas in your life that he needs to speak to until you can get to the place where you fully surrender. And when you get there, he reveals other areas of your life that you didn't even realize you didn't surrender. And then 
you just made aware and you repent. And he's faithful and just to forgive you. So for those in here who have called upon the name of the Lord before, you surrendered, you counted the cost the best you could. But as of late, you started to realize, I love Jesus and I know he should be Lord of everything. But I fall short in areas of my life where I don't fully surrender to him. And I want to repent right now. If that's you, raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you want to grow in your lordship and say, I just, I, I, I'm in too much control of my life. I want to give more of it to him. Raise your hand. Father, I thank you so much for everyone in this room. Daddy, will you help us? Will you continue to reveal yourself to us so that as we put our trust in you, it's not a blind faith, but we're doing so out of the testimony of what you've been in our lives and who you are. Will you help this church not be a church that calls on an Uber Jesus, but we call on the Lord Jesus. Lead us as a people to places that we don't want to go as long as you're calling us to go. 